0: Okay, hello everybody. It is Wednesday, time for the AMA, that's the Ask Me Anything, where I respond to your questions and comments. Welcome to the show. A lot of people have been putting this question in the comments section or in the DMs on Instagram, like blackboxnid88, anybody can write the show there, and they're asking me, are you actually British? And the answer is no. I did do a segment on one of these recent AMAs when I was using somewhat of an english accent but that was all fiction i'm not actually british but i am a real west virginian in the great state of west virginia as we speak so i would like to get to some of the comments about the Zodiac Killer, to begin this one, and let's start with the ones that were on last week's AMA about Michael Morford's new Zodiac suspect, and we will not be addressing him by name. We'll simply be referring to him as Suspect Mason or Suspect Macduff, and that's how he was introduced to me. It's like um, both people who requested to hear some things about him shared some stuff in that way. This Suspect Mason. First, we have a question from Jason Blank. Is there a link to the thread on this Zodiac suspect? I would like to read more. And the answer is not quite. There are some new threads that have been popping up, but the original thread that Mike Morford had on Zodiac Killer's site has been taken down. And the long story short is that I talked about how Mike Morford, suspect would have been 23 years old at the time of the first confirmed Zodiac crime in 1968. He would have been five feet, eight inches tall. He had a degree in sociology from Chico State University. He went on to work for the Department of Corrections for nearly 30 years, or he was an employee of the state of California for 30 years. Um, I don't want to, um, say something that i'm going to have to retract later on he was married in 1974 he got the job with the state of california in 1971 actually so um some people think that mike morford has absolutely nailed the case that he has solved the zodiac killer mystery that he found the guy and he found this person suspect mason By going to the the phone that was used after the Blue Rock Springs shooting on, I guess this would be July 5th of 1969 now, the shooting occurred on July 4th in the late p.m. hours, and then it's the one where it says, I also killed those kids last year. Goodbye. So um, that thing. And then he was looking at the houses in the area, the people in the area, and he encountered this suspect, Mason suspect, McDuff. So um, there is that. But our next uh, question that came in on the AMA, and it's from I Didn't Kill Kenny, who says something. Which Zodiac victim wore a red dress? What you are missing for the victims is connie ballard and richard martin of florida so far have three more states to go um which zodiac killer victim wore a red dress well the red dress is mentioned in the desktop poem that was found in riverside california after the murder of sherry joe bates on october 30th of 1966 but um she wasn't wearing a red dress at the time she was murdered. The line is that blood spilled all over her dress. Oh, well, it was red anyway. And I went uh, back to look at some of the um, clothes that the Zodiac Killer female victims were wearing, the canonical victims, that is, because I thought that I didn't kill Kenny was suggesting that the Zodiac Killer or someone, I mean, may have written this poem on a desk at the RCC, the Riverside City College in 1966, that's talking about um, something that could have been a suicide note, or something that was just a morbid fantasy, or maybe it was talking about the murder of Sherry Joe Bates, about how blood is spilling on her dress. Oh, well, it was red anyway. And I was like, wait a second, did Betty Lou Jensen wear a red dress? And I looked it up. No, it was purple, actually, a similar color. Darlene Farron, of course, was wearing a patterned slack dress, a one-piece jumpsuit, if you will, and the pant legs form into a Bell Bottom, and the way this was described by Mel Magazine was that if you were to look at her from a distance, you would think that she was wearing a dress, and only until you saw her legs start to move when she was walking at a close distance, you would realize that it actually has pant legs. It is called a slack dress, and I believe Cecilia Shepherd was wearing a white top at um, Lake Berryessa, but I... Okay, but I mean, I don't think any of the confirmed Zodiac Killer victims were wearing a uh, red dress. But um, the thing that I thought it was going to be was that, okay, that wasn't an admission of guilt to the murder of Sherry Jo Bates. The person who wrote the desktop poem was foreshadowing. They're like, they're giving away their playbook that they're going to target somebody in the future. But I don't think that that is quite the case. Okay, on to the next one here. This one comes to us from Woa, 10115 who says, Mike Morford's suspect is almost certainly him. For those who know his name and have looked things up, you'd understand. Main problem is that while you're all saying that this is theoretically unreasonable, you aren't actually saying anything. Five foot eight is an issue? There was nothing definitive about what Mrs. Shepard said about his height. What did Brian Hartnell say? His height is consistent with all of the descriptions. Rather vague takeaways from this. Again, as a profile you've deduced, I understand that, but any issues with his height or his education, that doesn't make any kind of sense. Same applies to the inability or ability to construct a cipher at a young age. By the way, there is evidence that his widow knows. Okay, this is all about Morph's suspect, Mason. Now, When I talked about how I thought it was unlikely that this guy was actually the Zodiac killer, because I didn't think the Zodiac was someone who was 5 feet 8 inches tall, who didn't have a background in math or science or um, engineering or architecture. This guy was a sociology major and graduated with that degree. But also, this guy doesn't seem to have any immediate military connection, as well as he was... um, Twenty-three years old. It's entirely possible that a twenty-three-year-old could have learned about mathematics in some way. That he could have um, ha- obtained the knowledge. It's entirely possible that a five-foot-eight person could have been wearing that Lake Berryessa costume. It's entirely possible that this guy knew more than he let on. And, um, as far as the widow, uh, knowing more, by the way, there's evidence that his widow knows, yeah, okay, maybe, I mean, that could also be true, before I give any type of counterbalance, I was simply making an educated guess, I don't know who the Zodiac Killer was, and if I had to bet my life on it, I would expect that this guy, Suspect Mason, was not the Zodiac Killer, but that's just my two sons. That's just my take on the subject, my interpretation of the evidence. Now, I sent this uh, question to Drew Beeson, who is the author of the book, citing it on the Zodiac Killer and the host of the uh, program, the Zodcast, available here on YouTube. His channel is called Drew Beeson, just like his name. And his response was that he didn't know an enormous amount about the suspect that Morph was talking about, but he did also point out that um, he would. He agreed with the assessment that someone who was five foot eight, twenty three, and a sociology major doesn't seem completely consistent with the kind of person that we would be looking for. Someone who would have been a little bit more mature, had a greater understanding of math and the sciences. And the thing that Drew really said that stood out was that five feet eight inches tall is the absolute bare minimum for a suspect in the Zodiac Killer Mystery, once you start dealing with suspects who are 5'6 or 5'7, it's almost impossible, because even though perhaps Cecilia Shepard's height estimations are not correct, it's really rare to look at somebody who's 5'6 tall and think that they're 6' tall. It's really rare to look at someone who is 5'7 and think that they're 6' tall or more. I mean, I can give him one inch for the boots that he would have been wearing because he's going to be five feet, eight inches tall with no shoes on, barefoot. I can give him one inch for the boot. Okay, so that brings him up to five nine. One inch for his hair, and then one inch for the Lake Berryessa hood. Maybe if it's resting on top of his hair or if it's um just a little bit puffier, then you've added on three inches. Now he's about 5'11". It's possible. I mean, I would think that... um. That isn't a perfect science or anything. And yes, maybe he also took some elective courses at Chico State, and he actually had a greater understanding of math than we uh, know of, or that he was really into it in high school and then had some type of um, diversion. Okay, I mean, crazier things have happened, but... I still lean toward the possibility that the Zodiac Killer was around mid-30s to early 40s, somewhat a little bit older. I, re- I notice a sense of maturity in the um, Zodiac letters as well as the uh, ciphers that I don't think came from a 23-year-old or 24-year-old. But um, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong, and I do appreciate the comment from Wo, uh 1015 10115, a lot of numbers in that name. Uh, Drew did share one other thing with me, that he was talking about how Mike Morford was discussing this suspect on Reddit, and he said, if he was actually extremely close to solving the Zodiac Killer mystery, would he really use Reddit as the forum to do so? Wouldn't he um use this, use um something a little bit larger? But we'll see how this plays out, and um if we can say that the mystery has been solved. I will gladly congratulate Mike Morford on all his hard work. We will just have to wait and see. Tom Voigt of ZodiacKiller.com has also left some things about Mike Morford's suspect Mason, and he says, I made a few posts in the McDuff thread before it got shut down. There's nothing about him that raises my interest. It didn't get taken down because of anything to do with law enforcement, most likely, the guy's relatives complained, and um, thank you to Tom Voigt for that. So, um, I mean, Tom Voigt is of ZodiacKiller.com, which is, claims to be the only Zodiac site working with law enforcement. It seems like he uh, has uh, some inside insider knowledge on the subject, but I wanted to get to the next comment from Playtime, which talks about the height of uh, this suspect, Mason, if he is five feet eight inches tall add one for the boots and three inches for how high the hood sticks up and you get six feet tall i think that's pushing it that would be a very very narrow stovepipe hood but um i mean it's possible but i think that adding three inches of height for the Lake lakeberryessa hood would be a little bit much. With these compensations, all the witnesses at all of the canonical crime scenes allow for a five foot eight description. Perhaps it would allow for a five foot nine discrepancy. Age would be between twenty two and twenty six years old. If you add up all the factors depending on how much this could be attributed to a single perpetrator. So um thank you to Playtime for that one. I do admit that it's possible, but um I think that giving uh three inches for the Lake Berryessa costume itself is a little excessive, one point that I should have also added is you might even be able to add an inch of height for the fact that at Lake Berryessa it isn't a completely flat and level field, they would have been standing on uneven ground, so that's also something. Now on to a different Zodiac subject, this is something from last Monday's Zodiac episode on the Santa Claus card, which was mailed in 1982. This is from Kevin Bowen, who says, "I don't know if you look at the typeface on the Santa Claus card and some of the typed Zodiac and maybe Zodiac communications, the typeface has, to my untrained eye, several similarities. I'm not an expert, and I don't know if these are significant similarities. LA was a center of the aerospace industry in the 1960s. Several victims of unsolved murders had ties to the aerospace industry: Bates, Walker, Bowles, and maybe Domingo, Edwards." Given that Joan Webster's father worked for a spy satellite company, it would not surprise me if Zodiac had some connection, tight or loose, with the Webster family through that channel. Perhaps the Zodiac had known the family and was mocking them. Okay, this goes into the category of, even if this is not completely true, Kevin Bowen, I like how you think. I like the observation. I like the possibility. Let's look at this in a broader context. Even if the Zodiac killer didn't commit all of these crimes that he is mailing in letters to, perhaps he had some knowledge of either the victims or the families, or some type of firsthand connection to somebody who was involved, and he was writing a letter mocking that person. Because I don't believe that the Zodiac Killer murdered Joan Webster in nineteen eighty one, and then the Santa Claus card comes after the murder of Joan Webster and um the Well, I'll I'll talk about that episode in just a second, but, I mean, if the Zodiac Killer is doing something like that, that would be a lot more plausible than just this master super criminal that is going all over America, if not the world, and just murdering people with an enormous body count, perhaps higher than any of the other serial killers out there, except Thug Baram, if you count all of the unconfirmed incidents that you can think of. But um, I I like the way that he's thinking because there's also an episode on this channel called The Zodiac Killer-CIA Connection, and that explores the possibilities of uh, the Zodiac Killer either being a CIA operative and just the final two uh, incidents, Lake Perry and the Paul Stein murder, and then someone is writing letters taking credit for Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs, which would have been drug-related or gang-related shootings. And in the AMA following that one, I read off a comment from the cat meow who said something about how she thought her suspect was a CIA operative who went rogue and committed the Zodiac crimes. No matter what, if you have a suspect who you think has some type of CIA connection, which uh, the Webster family did, and that's the subject of the book Mommy's a Mole Whale of a Tale, which talks about the murder of Joan Webster in 1981 and the CIA. And, um, I'll just get into that thing, because I mentioned the cat meow, and she left a comment on the Santa Claus card episode saying, not related to the Zodiac killer, lol. And I responded to that one by saying, hi, Well, there is a low chance that the Santa Claus card is authentic Zodiac activity, Gareth Penn, the author of the book Time 17, believed that it was real. The focus of this episode was to show that Gareth Penn has been accused of fabricating the Santa Claus card himself, i.e. creating a forgery to get other people to look at his Zodiac theory and future book. If Eve Carson's claims are correct, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, then Gareth Penn blatantly lied to the family of Joan Webster, thus making him a fraud, and that was the... um intention behind that episode. I invite anyone to listen to it. Zodiac Killer, the Santa Claus card, and I'm talking about the one that was mailed in 1982. And yes, indeed, Eve Carson does accuse Gareth Penn of fabricating the Santa Claus card. After Joan Webster disappeared from Logan Airport in Boston, Massachusetts in 1981, there was a lot of media coverage that was surrounding it, Maybe Gareth Penn genuinely believed the Zodiac Killer was responsible for her disappearance, and if anything, in in that episode I was talking about some comments that were made by Gareth Penn in which he cited some similarities to the disappearance of Donna Lass. He thought this was the Zodiac Killer. Okay, maybe he believed it, maybe he didn't, but Eve Carson accuses him of writing the Santa Claus card to Joan Webster's parents so that they would buy into his Zodiac theory. Now, only Gareth Penn is going to know the truth about that, and Joan Webster certainly isn't here to defend herself. Okay, going going on to a comment from Kelly Gable, also on that episode, Zodiac Killer, the Santa Claus card. The Santa Claus card clues to Santa Claus, Indiana, and the Santa Claus Museum in Indiana. I have said it a shitload of times. The Zodiac is Robert Ivan Nichols, Santa Claus's real name is Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas Robert Ivan Nichols. You see what I'm getting at? Robert was born and raised in New Albany. New Albany is near a river, a big body of water, which then gives you Riverside, California, then Lake Hermit Road, then Blue Rock Springs, then Lake Berryessa, and the Paul Stein murder in Presidio Heights was committed near a fire hydrant. Gareth Penn, the person we were just discussing, also talked a lot about that. Um, as far as Kelly Gable's comment is going, um, I've noticed that Kelly Gable has had a big reversal You're saying the Zodiac is Robert Ivan Nichols. For the longest time, Kelly was trying to convince me that the Zodiac killer was Robert Christian Hansen, the serial killer from Anchorage, Alaska, known as the Butcher Baker. As far as this angle on Robert Ivan Nichols goes, whether it's true or not... Kelly Gable, you should write this as a novel, what you have just said here about um, using all the place names in Indiana, and this is how a serial killer is creating his own web of destruction, because with the Zodiac Killer, Gareth Penn would often talk about the mathematical signatures. His books Time 17 and The Second Power are loaded with these discussions on mathematical signatures and the radians and binary and Morse code but Kelly Gable has taken this a step further and pointed out how there could have been many different place names from a state, like Indiana, and that either the locations or the victims were not random, that in fact this is an additional, an additional layer to the criminal masterpiece. And um, whether you want to put it a, as a Zodiac book or out as a novel, That would be something that would be um, excellent. Good observations, they're all the same. Moving on to a different subject, we have a comment that comes to us from Colonel Reb on a Maura Murray episode, and Colonel Reb says, She's in those woods somewhere, Ned. Well, thank you, Colonel Reb, for listening to one of the older Maura Murray episodes. This one was called, Maura Murray, Clues in the Film, Bottle Rocket. More Murray disappeared on February 9th of 2004 after possibly crashing her car into a snowbank in Haverhill, New Hampshire, near a sharp turn in the road near a weathered barn. And she has never been seen from again. After she had crashed her car, or simply pulled over to the side of the road, roughly, she got out of the car and she was approached by a school bus driver named Butch Atwood, who asked if she needed help, and she said no, she had already called AAA. He knew that wasn't true because there was no cell service in the area. And whatever happened after that, Maura Murray has never been seen again. She's in those woods somewhere, Ned. I think that this is um, going down the accidental death theory or that Moore had simply given up not exactly um, a suicide, but succumbing to the elements. That's also the way it's been described. Or some people think that Moore Murray would have left her car no matter what whether she's dealing with mental illness issues or she just becomes overly exhausted, overexerts herself, maybe trying to run to the nearest town or trying to find... Um, just to get away from the crime scene, and that she had a bottle of alcohol with her and she drank herself into oblivion. That is a big theory that's going on there. I mean, it's not even in the category of accidental death. What people would more suggest about the accidental death theory is that because Maura Murray was a runner, maybe she had tried to leave her car for some period of time, and then she was trying to run through the woods to take a shortcut of some ways, and maybe she tripped on a rock, fell into some type of... um uh, depression area. I shouldn't have said that word because I was talking about like a land depression and, um, she was fell into some type of a pit, if you will, being very clear. I meant that she actually fell into like a crevasse of some sorts. And then she simply, um, passed away because of the elements talking about maybe getting a broken leg or even just a twisted ankle. And she couldn't move too easily trapped under some type of a boulder in the snow, something to that effect. And before you think that that's way too simple of an explanation, it has been widely discussed. There's also the possibility that Moore is doing the exact same thing. She leaves her car, her black Saturn, and she's trying to get to some destination, whatever it is, and she actually ended up uh, tripping and falling into a river. That was it. That is another um possibility. Okay, though, did Moore Murray actually die in the woods? For years, I thought that was the only case. That was the only answer. That was the only way to solve the case. Is if they found more skeletal remains within a five to seven mile radius from the crash site. They have more or less scoured that radius, and they haven't found any sign of Maura Murray. But what actually happened? I think that the only other possibility, or the only likely possibility, is that Maura was abducted. I mean this could be range from the fact that some guy pulled up next to her, pulled out a gun and said get in the car and this are this is more of the guy parody stuff when he thinks that um, a certain individual whose name I won't say pulled a gun on Mora and told her to get into the car, or something that has been discussed a little bit more recently, maybe a woman was the person who um asked Mora to get into her car and she felt more comfortable getting a ride from a woman than she did from Butchatwood, the school bus driver and the woman drove her to a place, and then that woman's boyfriend or husband or some other guy did something to Mora that ended her life, or maybe a combination of the two people. Until Mora's skeletal remains are discovered, I don't believe we will achieve absolute certainty in um, what happened to her disappearance. But the title of this episode is "More Murray Clues in the Film Bottle Rocket. This is a very clear example of how I was discussing a theory that I do not believe at all. I learned about the movie Bottle Rocket because of a true crime blog that was talking about Maura Murray. What it said was, and I couldn't find the um, original one because I read that years before I did the uh, podcast segment, or I even had this podcast segment here, and that was that Maura was a big fan of the movie Bottle Rocket, a Wes Anderson film. If you get a chance to watch that one, it is absolutely hilarious. Like, it is gut-wrenchingly hilarious. The kind of um humor that almost gets to your intestines, that kind of funny. I loved that movie. But was it actually a blueprint for more Murray's uh, disappearance? There is a scene in there, and I hate to give away spoilers, where a car goes off the road a little bit, and then they try to um, launch some type of secret plan. I mean, the film has many secret plans in it, but it doesn't work. I mean, it would be a terrible blueprint if anybody were trying to stage their own disappearance. And I don't believe for a second that Maura Murray actually used the film Bottle Rocket, the Wes Anderson film, which of course has Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson in it, as a blueprint to stage her own disappearance. But I put that in the category of someone proposed this theory, so we're talking about it talk about the merits of the idea somebody even left a comment on that same episode saying it's all ridiculous a little bit i mean i don't think that's the case i think the two most likely possibilities are that um mora may have entered the woods voluntarily to try and take a shortcut to some destination and she injured herself in some way and well was unable to get back to the road or get back to any type of assistance, and she passed away because of the elements, or there was some genuine abduction and that person murdered her. The abduction theory would explain why the search dogs lost her scent about 100 feet from the crash site. The abduction theory would also explain why no traces of Mora were ever found in that area. And they brought this up on the Missing Maura Murray podcast. Okay, skeletal remains can be absorbed very easily by a forest, but a backpack that Morrow should have had with her should have been left behind, or shoes would be more likely to um, have been left behind. And the murder of Joan Webster was, well, not exactly solved, but Joan Webster's remains were discovered because almost certainly a four-legged animal found Joan Webster's skull and pried it away, and then the skull was originally found in a different area And then the investigators came in, and they were able to locate the rest of Joan Webster's skeleton. That's from the uh, Santa Claus card episode that I was just talking about. So I think that Maura Murray has, um, there's a high chance she was abducted. And it could have been something that started out as an honest attempt just to, offer her a ride, a woman is driving her car and offers her a ride to the nearest town for whatever reason, and then some event happened later on. There's also an even larger set of complicated theories in which they think that she was killed by the police. I think until we find skeletal remains, there will be so much speculation going on. What do you think happened to Maura Murray? We can uh, put that as a challenge question out there, and you can always give your theory in the comments section below. Is there a particular theory or suspect in the Maura Murray disappearance that I did not mention yet? And um, please just share anything you want to say about the Zodiac Killer or Maura Murray. And I would also like to remind you guys that you can download this show for free at Launchpad DM, just the audio, if you'd like to get this as a pure podcast. It is available at Launchpad DM, and there's a link to that in the description box. And you can always visit the Teespring page, and the best way you can support the show is just by listening to some more content. But you can also check out the t-shirts that are available. But um, there's also a set of playlists that have been made on the channel, all kinds of episodes, the Zodiac Killer, more Murray, as well as some of the crimes that are connected to the Zodiac Killer, and just mysteries in general and even the old-fashioned gray box recordings. So the best way you can support the show is just by listening, but have a look at anything there in the description box. Loads of links are available, and I will see you right after this message. Please stay tuned.